What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and joining me today from, uh, I don't know where from, where, where I should say you're from, but, uh, but joining me today from... Uh, from, from see, see, if you're going to do like an <laughs> Ultima thing, it should yes, be... Yes, I was thinking. It's, it's going to be the Stygian Abyss, probably. The Stygian well, Abyss? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like chilling with some gargoyles. It's like, yeah, there's, there's a small one on my shoulders, sitting like a little rat monkey. It's like I'm a pirate, but I'm a demon. It's pretty cool. I could actually see that, actually, with you, but none other than Mr. Fortengard. How are you doing, sir? Also known by my slave name, Skeletor Jr. There you go. <laughs> so, welcome to the show. Unfortunately, Jam had life issues come up. Nothing scary, nothing health-related, nothing bad. Um, but uh, but he was unable to make this at the last minute. So he apologizes to everybody, and he will be back next week. So. Ah, uh, yes, that extremely polite Jam. He's never going to go like, ah, fuck all y'all, I'm busy. He's like, oh, <laughs> right? oh I'm, so, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean it, no. <laughs> so with that in mind um we are uh we are pressing on without him so <clears throat> but tonight's episode as we've kind of hinted at already is all about the ultima series and i've always been scared to talk about the ultima series because i know a lot about the development of ultima and i've seen a lot of ultima but i haven't played a lot of ultima um although fort that's where you come in um, see, the thing is, I don't know the development that well until, like, the last few ones. And even then, not perfectly. Like, I don't actually know the development history of um, Ultima Online that well. Right. Like, 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 that game confuses me in all sorts of ways. I just know the story where one guy somehow happened to murder uh, or British. And it was cool. <laughs> Well, I'll we'll definitely get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell that story. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so so today's episode is going to be all about Ultima, and um, uh, we'll pretty much kick it off. Uh, before we do, though, I just wanted to tell everybody thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We have so many people writing in for the PS2 Top 10. It's been fantastic, so I want to appreciate everybody, or I want to show my appreciation to everybody for that. Um, but it's not too late. You got one more week. We're cutting it off at the 20th. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, the 20th. Wednesday, the 20th. Next Wednesday will be the cutoff um, to give everyone uh, one last opportunity. Uh, and then we will do probably that weekend the, uh, the show. Uh, probably, hopefully live on all games. If not, we'll just record it. And, uh, of course, send the, the recorded version as a, as a uh, <clears throat> uh, what do we call it, a... Uh, um, an extra credit so but uh but yeah so thanks for that uh yes Voss, i think we got yours i've got a ton of them so i'll scour the emails but uh but yeah with that mine. what i just done mine you should you should man throw it all off 
Well, um, well, it's basically just going to be like MGS3 is number one perfection for all time. RE4 is pretty close, even though you can play it on the GameCube. And <laughs> right. everything else is like Japanese RPG, Japanese RPG, Japanese RPG. Nothing wrong with the JRPG, right? Yeah, yeah that's, that's like the last time they were like solid. Well, well they're like coming back now, but... PS2 was the last time they were, like, uh, consistently solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I skipped the PS2 for a large portion, which um, I'm guessing our top ten kind of reveals. But, um, but yeah, I skipped it for a large portion of uh, the, the thing. So I'm getting back into it, but I don't think I'm going to be doing anything like uh, beating Final Fantasy XI anytime soon. So <laughs> You can't beat Final Fantasy XI because that's the MMO. Or not XI, sorry, XII. XII, the, uh, the single-player MMO. That, well, that one's coming out on um, PS4 and HD, so you'll get your chance. I never actually beat it either. I kind of want to go back to it. Mm. I, I don't know. Oh, like... and uh, and Voss Five uh, was asking if we got his. Yes, we did. So this is serious but... pick, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> Heck says I skipped all the good shit. <laughs> what else is new? Right? So, um, but yeah, so we will get that going. Um, but with that, yeah, what say we jump into the lovely Ultima series? Let's do it. Let's talk about my boy, Richard. <laughs> good old Richard Garriott. So, good old um, spotted dick. That's right, that's right. So we'll get a little bit into the history of Ultima before we jump into it. Now, Fort, have you played all of the Ultima games in some form? Um, not all of them, but I have seen long plays of all of them. I've read up on, like, the actual content of the games. The thing is, like, the earliest ones are, even now, with the advent of, like, DOSBox and the like, a lot of them are just kind of unplayable. Like, no one is really going to play a Calibus. Yeah, we'll talk about a Calibeth. And, but, and the, uh, thing is, like, the thing about a Calibeth is you don't actually need to play it. Like, it's, it's just interesting to look at as, like, a piece of, like, archaeology, but it's actually not worth playing. <laughs> um, um, like, like, the first three Ultima games, they're, like, so batshit insane that if they were available in a, in a more, like, uh, easy to access for, they might be worth a look, but, uh, but with, like, the problems of, like, emulation, like, they're, they're very difficult to get to. I mean, I don't know if this means anything, but I think the original Ultima Trilogy is on, uh... On GOG. It might yeah. be. I know, at least when I signed up for GOG, you definitely got Ultima 4, and, like, uh, the two, like, Worlds of Ultima games, which are, like, the same engine as Ultima 6. Yeah, well, well, the, well, the original trilogy is available on GOG. It's sure uh, six it, yeah. bucks. Oh, yeah. Oh, Whopping 22 megs. I'm surprised it's that much for those first yeah. three. Yeah, honestly, it's like, I don't know, like, four tops? Yeah, right? <laughs> So. But um, but yeah, so so yeah, we'll we'll talk about these. But uh, 
And and part of this uh, for you can help me understand because the one game I did play, which I thought was putting me in here somewhere good, was Ultima Quest of the Avatar. But I played it on the NES, which is not the same game apparently. So yes, and I have never actually played any of the NES versions. Oh, okay, so I can talk to you a little I, bit about only, that. The only one that I've kind of I played the one that's like just for the SNES. There's like one Ultima game they made for the SNES. It kind of sucks. I think, well, they made a couple of them for the SNES, but they were the later ones, so... Actually, fun fact... This was like a straight-up made for the SNES. This was not a port. Like, almost all of them got, like, ports for the NES or the SNES. But Mm -hmm. this was, like, straight-up, like, made for the SNES. There no PC version or anything. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I must have missed that on my thing. If it's not worth playing, it kind of sucks. <laughs> well, that's what we've said about the game so far, so we'll get into it. Let's see, I'm looking over my GOG collection. Uh, Quest of the Avatar you get for free for just being part of GOG. I also somehow attained a Calabeth. Um, well, to be fair, I don't think it's actually right to ask money for a Calabeth. I don't, yeah, I think even... What's-His-Face has gone on record, uh, Lord British himself, and said that that's not necessary. Well, yeah, but, like, that is literally just a homebrew that he made that somehow, like, got released to the public, and you could pay, like, some dollars for it. Yeah, yeah well, and so let's, uh, if you're cool with it, let's, uh, let's get a little bit into that. So, um... So here's the history of Ultima and how it came to be. Uh, I'm, I promise this won't be like a Game of Thrones, you know, reflection opening or anything. But um, so if you're not aware, Ultima is a fantasy RPG created by Richard Garriott, a.k.a. Lord British. Why is he called Lord British? Do you know this one, uh, yes. Fort? Yes, I know. It's because, like, uh, like he's not actually British, though he is uh, of some descent, but he's like a dude from Texas. And yes. <laughs> the, reason, and the reason why they call him Lord British because like he was like first introduced to his friends by his mom, and he said like, "Oh, hello!" <laughs> like sort of, like imagine the, sort of the way that Jam would say it. And they're like, yes. Oh, yeah. He sounds kind of British. And then yeah. Like, apparently the well, and the mom was all prim and proper too. Yeah, and so he yeah. spoke in a way that was unlike uh, what most Americans had heard. Well, um, I actually wanted to say uh, this. Um, I consider Lord British sort of like the Bill Gates of uh, video games in a way. Because he was kind of there before most people could really be there. You know how Bill Gates, like, his parents, like, were, like, attuned to the fact that computers are a thing, and they could, like, fund a proper education for him, so he could, like, like, uh, he had, like, a head start on computing before most Mm -hmm. people got into it. Uh, Lord British is sort of the same way. Uh, His dad was an astronaut. So he had, like, both people who had money and um, also, like, enough education to, like, actually, like, support him in his nerdy, yet still actually complicated, and, um, you know, his hobbies in that way. So, so, like, Lord British, he got a head start on um, game development before game development was, like, a serious thing yet. And, uh, 
Let's say Legend was born. I consider him the first auteur game developer ever. Think so? Yeah. Who else? I mean, a lot of people would say that, especially because the Ultimate series has always been known for its story, even in these earliest forms, Um, for various reasons. Even if you don't think that it's that interesting a story, I guess I would say it's not that interesting a story. But there's like. these games, like, they feel like they are built by a very specific person with a very specific view on these things. Because the thing about Oathbow, like, yeah, like, uh, on the surface level, it's super generic, and you're, like, supposed to, like, excuse it because it's the first was kind. But when you, like, actually get into, say, the Avatar trilogy, uh, you realize that there is actually way more, like, thought put into these games than you would necessarily expect. Like, most RPGs are, of that time, especially where, you know, they were basically dungeon crawlers and monster hunter quests, where it's like, go there, murder, murder, and murder. And then everything for, like, Ultimate 4 onwards actually had, like, some sort of um, idea behind it that was, like, more substantive, like, it had a lot to say about morality. Which mm-hmm. is think that even a lot of games these days have problems with. Even though they try way harder. Um, I can, yeah, yeah, I could see that. But, uh, but, okay, do you think that there is any, like, Oxford game designer that is, like, before Lord British? Ooh, before him. Um, no, maybe not. Now that now that you say that, uh, I don't know if I would say that there's anyone before him. Um, trying to think of possible um, not because you know it's it, what I what I'm failing to do is look at the times these came out. And when you consider the fact that uh, the first uh, Calabeth is seventy nine. Well, it comes out in 80, but it's in it's it's really released in 79 to a certain extent. So with that in mind, yeah, I I don't know Jesus. Uh well, hmm. Yeah, cuz I've never played Wizardry, but how does that size up? Oh, uh, I actually don't know that. Okay, so that's the only one I was thinking could be a possibility, but you know, I'm not you know, not necessarily Wizardry, Wizardry one was the first one was eighty one, so no. Okay, so there you go. So, so I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Um, Richard hey. Garriott probably, uh, and and again, he's kind of one of those. Uh, <laughs> he's the you're gonna hate this uh, connection, but uh, <clears throat> hold on real quick. Ford say something. Uh yes. Okay, sorry. Um, he's kind of one of those... Uh, uh, he strikes me as, um, you know, like a modern-day games journalist where he's like a writer first, and then he does his craft second. Would you agree with games that? Games journalists are not good writers, though. <laughs> Touche. No, 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 but... Uh, I don't necessarily think of it that way. But I will say this. Like, as far as, like, uh, chores go, like, he's always seemed like... Like a, like a somewhat humble and normal person. 
Like, he's not like, uh, say, Molyneux, who's like, oh, oh, it's, it's an emotional experience, and also the dog farts. <laughs> <laughs> or like Hideo Kojima, who's just like, let me tweet like a million pictures of Robin, and then like, I don't know. Big yeah. Yeah, I could get behind that. Oh, well, and so, a guy from fucking um, Walking Dead, and, and, and there's like a baby, and you will buy it. Fuck you. Everybody. I don't watch The Walking Dead, so I don't know if I can follow you as well on that one. But uh, Norman Reedus is like the main character in Hideo Kojima's new thing. Yeah, like Dead Stranding yeah. or something. That's Stranding. Name. <laughs> stranding. I well, so so get this. So um. So I think, and I think what happens with this and what makes Garriott so good at this is, um, so we know why he was called British. Do you know why he got, where he got the Lord part from? Uh, no. Is it because okay. he was DM? Yeah. Oh yeah. The, <laughs> the most logical example is often the right one. Yes. When he would DM for the group, uh, he went to a Texas based computer camp at 15 and they would all play D and D because right. Like what the fuck else are you going to do? <laughs> and, uh, when they did that, uh, um, yes, he was DM and, uh, and they called him Lord British because they had already nicknamed him British based off of his mom. So with that in mind, he becomes Lord British. And I think when you break down the Ultima series and start thinking about it as DMing, right? And like the concept of what you do for a D&D &D campaign, which I don't think we have to get that nerdy here, but, uh, but I, I don't know. Fort, you've played D&D, &D, right? Uh, more or less. Uh, okay. No, <laughs> but basically the first, first like, few Ultima games are just straight up, like, I'm convinced that these are just, like, his own, like, homebrew D&D uh, campaign settings that he's just, like, made into a game. Because, like, the first three games are a pretty big hodgepodge. Like, like they're, yes. not, they're not quite re representative of what the games will become later on. Because in the first three ones, it's like, you see shit... That's like not like specifically named, but there's like stuff from like Star Trek and Star Wars and Doctor Who and all this other Yeah, he's things. really yeah, he's really throwing everything in the pot on those. <laughs> like it, it, but it makes like a lot of sense if, if you look at it it's like yeah, this is just like this guy's like homebrew setting. I mean, I've never homebrewed, but I'm pretty sure I would probably like. I mean, hell, the fucking guy from the Dark Souls, he also does this where he just sneaks in shit from Berserk, like, wholesale. Like, <laughs> yeah. recognize this weapon? Recognize it? It's, it's the Dragon Slayer. Very cool, <laughs> Miyazaki. Very cool. Yes, I know what that is. Nerd. We'll see. Well, yeah, so you can, you can see where they do this stuff. Although, I will say Japan likes to borrow from franchises more than probably anybody else. Uh, uh, if I were to go that first, route. Yes, but first we would also need because uh, copyright law is kind of easier to get away with some of this stuff. I mean, like, I don't think if he made Ultimate today, he could rip off as much shit as he did without anyone, like, especially now because, like, uh, Disney owns Star Wars. It's like, hello, yes, we know that that's our TIE Fighter. <laughs> right. We have a talk and Richard's like, oh, no. <laughs> does he I've never heard an interview with Richard Gary does he speak British or does he speak no. like us or well 
Yeah. He speaks. He speaks uh, American. Actually, okay. like it's <laughs> interviews with him, and um, he is simul. He is awesome. I I really like him. He is he is not full of himself at all. At least from what I've seen in interviews, he, mm-hmm. he's like uh, like a genuinely like a uh, humble, decent man. He's not crazy. And, and you can buy his blood on eBay, which doesn't help the case for either of the things you just said. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he also like uh, from what I see, he straight up wears like uh, a necklace that's actually like I think it's like the fucking serpent thing from *Malignant Seven. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm sure he's kind of crazy. But at the same time, I would probably I'd say more eccentric. I'd say more eccentric. I I would be more comfortable sitting in a car with him than say with uh, Peter <laughs> Peter Molyneux. Or God, well, for- that's a given. <laughs> or God forgive David Cage. David, <laughs> I don't know if I'm leaving this car alive or dead, but I know that you're not. You're- <laughs> so you're a big fan, um, but. Uh- <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I, I can't wait for his new fucking Detroit thing and how it'll make a big poo-poo mess all over the place. And then, despite that, Andy from um, from that Scottish thing. 42 level 1. 42 level 1. He's going to be like, man, it's fucking genius. (laughs) Well, so, real quick, uh, what? Okay, so what now? Well, so so let's jump into how he comes across uh, to making Ultima, because, uh, and and of course, if you've ever played the Ultimate games, apparently Lord British uh, is in a lot of these games. Oh, he's like, in any Ultima game in which the plot permits for him to be there. Gotcha. Like so is a, he kind of like Sid for the Final Fantasy games, or not quite that he, widespread? No, he is the same character in all of them. He is the king, and he is basically your main quest giver. He's the guy who says, uh-huh. like, oh, go, go fuck shit up, and we have problems. You already have a you're my, you're my bro, you're, you're now my bitch, you're my bro. <laughs> All right. Well, so the Ultima series is nine games strong. The most recent being Ultima Nine Ascension, which released in 1999. So there hasn't been an Ultima game for a while. Yeah, um, there's actually been more. Like Ultima Seven has two parts. There's okay. Ult- so there's like an Ultima Seven Part Two. Yeah. There's uh, Ultima Seven: The Black Gate, and then there's Ultima Seven: Serpent Nile. Oh, actually, I did know that, yes. Yes, and um, there's also, like, the World of Ultima spinoffs, which are not, like, necessarily... There's, like, the the two, like, Ultima Underworld games, which are also not necessary, but they're important for mm-hmm. reasons that we'll get to. Sure. And, uh, uh, and I think I know what those are, but uh, we'll, we'll get to them when we get to them. Exactly. Um, but, uh, okay, so... But yeah, that the last main game in the series was Ultima Nine. Now, do you know if any of these? So, with like Underworld and, um, and actually, I guess Ultima Seven would be uh, the both parts, the complete edition, as they put it. Um, these all still seem to come out before 1999. So, yes. am I correct that the most recent release though was the 1999 one? Yes, uh, at okay. least like as far as the important ones regarding to uh, like the actual ultimate storyline, 
Yes, that was the final one, and if you ever play that game, you can clearly see why. Because it's, okay. it, it's, it's just, it's just like, if he could have credited himself as Alan Smitty, he would credit himself as Alan Smitty. Gotcha. What is this Ultima the Savage Empire? <laughs> that is one of the, um, that's one of the, yeah, it's the worlds of Ultima, like, spin-off, like, uh, Savage oh, okay. Empire and Martian Dreams or something. Uh, yeah. the, the Savage, the Savage whatever is, like, uh, inspired by Doc Savage-style, like, uh, pulp novels. I was say, yeah, it the looks like is, it. And the other one is, like, uh, inspired by, like, H.G. Wells and, um, Edgar Rice Burroughs with, like, the Mars saga. Like, if anyone's seen the movie uh, John Connor of Mars, uh, it's, it's, it's like that. That movie's actually not bad, even though a lot of people poo-pooed it. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was okay. It's very 80s. And yeah. that's a problem. But anyway... Um, it's, it's a problem, yeah, well... Okay, so let's... So, so okay, so they the, and the storylines are subdivided into three ages. Now you can correct me if you'd like, but the first is the age of darkness, the second is the age of enlightenment, the third is the age of Armageddon. I knew them as the original trilogy, the Avatar trilogy, and then what was the third one? It was like named after the bad guy. Uh, the Guardian. Yeah, the Guardian. Yeah, the Guardian trilogy was that was how I knew them. I never knew of these age of darkness, age of enlightenment, age of Armageddon's. Also, the first time I've heard it that way, like, like the thing about like the first trilogy is like it's not really supposed to be a trilogy at that point. It's just this thing, right? Because you're just the stranger in all of them, right? Well, you're technically supposed to be the same avatar as like the one in the later games, and okay. it's supposed to be the same world, and they sort of reference um, the events of the first three games, but they do, it's they don't really want to delve too deep into it because then it's like what happened to space where is the laser rifles <laughs> I, I got you. some sort of, add some sort of like uh, uh, analogy for it but I kind of forgot that's fair uh, I uh, well and I haven't played too much of the first three so let's burn through those real quick so the roots of Ultima start with a Calabeth as we've talked about a Calabeth I am, uh, so I'm going to tell you about the Calabash real quick. Okay. This thing was, like, programmed in BASIC. Yes, it was. It, it was programmed in Apple II BASIC. Before there were graphics, this game, <laughs> looked, this game looks like doo-doo. It looks like <laughs> shit. Here, but, I'll put it in the chat, but yes. It looks like shit, but the thing is, this was before graphics were really a thing. So every well, it was grid-based. I mean, it was, it was, you know, <laughs> yeah, they yeah, did their but best the thing, with 3D. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, like, uh, we're British. Like, he straight up, like, everything you see on screen is a line drawing he had to make in real life. And, like, then he had to, like, write down the coordinates. And then he had to, like, program the lines to go that way. So, I want to, yeah, it looks like shit, but at the same time, I don't know, like, that that doesn't seem easy, especially if you're not like an artist or or like a graphical designer who actually went to like school for this. So you know, like good job. And especially he was in high school. Yeah, more or less. So, but yeah, and it was top down when you were in um, the overworld. Yeah. yeah, and then when you enter the dungeons, it's like um, 
it's like uh, a first-person thing. And, you know, then you like go forward, go back. He level. would change the colors based off of what level you were on. Yeah, but even then, it's like it's like uh, it's like horrible lime green and pink. It's like I would rather you be black and white. I can uh, understand that. Yeah. Um, what what my favorite thing about that game is the the way it starts is like when you boot it up and it's like ready, and you say no, then the game just like boots you out and says like be gone, foolish mortal. <laughs> so like, so it's prepared for you to be a snarky ass. <laughs> well, well, all the games kind of have this uh, sense of humor to them, and, like this sense of self-awareness, which mm-hmm. is a reason why I always like them, and why I like Richard Garriott, because he always seemed like someone who isn't pretentious about it. Like, and and I, yeah, and I don't think he is. And it's why I think he actually um, was capable of uh, exploring like things like ludonarrative dissidents, a way that people don't even really do anymore. Like, okay, oh, what is Ludo Narrative? Uh, you know what this means. It's the story told through gameplay. Like, the story doesn't necessarily, like, register every time you fire the gun in Call of Duty or every time Mario stomps a Goomba, but that mm-hmm. is actually the path that, that your character makes to his destination, and it's part of the story for it's it's the story that the player makes True. and uh, and the thing is there's a thing called weird narrative dissonance where it's like your actions within the game uh contradict uh the, maybe the overall story like it's like you know like gordon freeman is supposed to be this great hero and like he's like the best of all men but he is just He's just jumping around, throwing shit all over the place. He doesn't seem like he's paying attention, while everyone else is just, like, talking to him in this polite voice. Golden Freeman, what are you doing over there with that crowbar? Oh, no. Oh, no. That would be better. No, he's like, oh, God, as you know, the combine came down to... (laughs) Talking about my head crab. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, you're like Gordon, if you could, you would be taking a shit in self porter. <laughs> true. He's just, he's just this <laughs> kid for some reason. So what you're saying is he's the Hiroshi Yamauchi of uh, of um, of <laughs> the Half Life universe. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'm just saying this, like, uh, like, but there are interesting things you can do with like the con- like the contrast between the story and the gameplay and the options are given, and that's kind of what uh, maybe not so much the first three, but the later Ultima games actually do like interesting like uh, Ultima four. But uh, yes, let's, let's, okay, but uh, Ultima. Well, okay, so real quick for Ultima those zero. in. Yes, it's it's basically Ultima Zero, as you said. Uh, Ultima Zero or a Calvin. I'm, I'm just gonna run through this thing real quick. It's not well, hold actually, on, I've got a couple of things. Hold on. I, I, I'm just going to describe the game real quick. Like, okay, like, yeah, go ahead. So basically the game is like, uh, we're British, this asshole, he makes you... He says, like, you want to be a knight, you're going to have to beat up, like, ten monsters of increasing difficulty, and then he, like, sends you on a dungeon crawl, and you beat them up, and the last one's a Balrog, which is a bit too much for, like, someone who's not even a knight, but okay, asshole. <laughs> well, so here's my question. Is it, like, I hate asking this question, but is that Balrog 
Is the Balrog in D&D, or is that straight Tolkien shit? That is straight Tolkien shit. Okay, I just want to make sure. I want to make sure my... Balrog is the thing with the fire whip that beats up Gandalf, and then he, like, yes. falls down. You shall not pass and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that thing. Like, that is a Tolkien creation. Okay, okay. They're doing no shame in stealing from Grandpa of Tolkien at that point. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's my legacy. His son sure did. Why not him? Um, <clears throat> yeah. But, uh... But, anyway. Uh, so, have you played it? No. It was too difficult to get running because it's not actually that interesting. You can just watch along. Well, I booted it up in... Yeah, I booted it up off of GOG. It is free on GOG if you're interested. And uh, for it, it is in black and white like you said. It's not colored like the Apple II version. Well, that, well that's nice, at least. But the game, like, uh, for what I know, it's also, like, kind of overly difficult. Fucking so, brutal. I could not beat, brutal. like, and, an insect. I think, I think the point is, like, the game was actually intended for you to cheat. Like, you'd open the, like, the, the, the like, the, you just open the sheet and just, like, crank your stats up before booting up. And, like, giving yourself a pile gotcha. of food. Because otherwise, you're ain't doing anything, bro. You're gonna die of hunger within, like, three steps. You're like, what? Well, yeah, we should point that out. I've, I've heard that food is an ongoing thing you have to keep track of in all of the Ultima games, or at least in the early ones. Do they ever get rid of food being a necessity for life in these games? Uh, in the later ones, they do eventually. Okay. But, uh, in like, up until, like, at least, like, I remember clearly at least four had it. Five, probably. Okay. Six, I don't remember. Seven, probably not. Okay. So, at least in the first six games, which are probably some of the more... Well, I, I can't speak to their significance, but, yeah, in those... those uh, A good brunt of the Ultimate games, food was a part of it. So, uh, and Akalabeth is no exception. Um, um, yeah, so let's move on to Ultimate 1. Or do you well, I just want to mention one thing. It managed to sell about 30,000 copies. Um, I believe they sold it for 20 bucks a piece, and Garriott saw 5 bucks of it. So, uh, 30,000 times five, $150,000 for, uh, right out of high school. Not too shabby. Especially considering it's the eighties. And so the dollar didn't go down the toilet yet. Yeah. So it was like, it was probably like 200,000. Not bad to be able to buy a house right off the bat. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. yeah. And, he, and he was just getting started. Yeah. Yes, so yes, on to Ultima. Ultima, the first age of darkness. So this game, so this game, it's uh, it's slightly more advanced. It still looks kind of like a nightmare, but it's like much more like palpable as a video game or a very PC game, I'm sorry. Um, and this Either one works. <laughs> basically, in this one, the quest is like, uh, there's like this evil wizard named Mondane, who's like immortal and shit. Because he makes a magic gemstone that makes him immortal, and and uh, he like wrecks havoc, and we're British was like, uh, this is bad. Um, bruh, I need you, I need you to beat him up, for me, <laughs> in my country. Um, and basically, then the game's like this big quest to go like beat up this wizard who is, funnily enough, immortal. 
So you can't beat him up, actually. So the quest becomes, like, you need to, like, do all this pokey-ass nonsense. Like, you go to space and shoot people, and then you need to rescue a princess. <laughs> reason and then you meet like a time lord from uh dr q dr who that's what i heard like you're all over the place in this game i heard it's insane it is very insane like even the cover you're like on horseback in the lava with like a huge steel dragon coming out and you're just like what is this Yep, yep, that does happen that's what happens with like you start with like arbor and burlap and shit and then you get, like, rifles and phasers and shit. Uh, and then you basically travel back in time. And then you, like, walk into this dude's, like, lab. And then you take a hammer. And then you just mm-hmm. smash the rock. And then you chase him around and stab him in the face again and again and again. Until he falls down. It's awesome. <laughs> so how is combat in this game? Is it awesome? No. The idea, okay. <laughs> the idea of what is happening inside your mind is awesome. And in itself, is like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, this is a piece of history, but it's... None of the games really have that great combat. It's... But it's okay. but still, but still, like, uh, the creativity of this thing, like, still makes it amusing even now. <clears throat> well, yes, uh, and I should point out, uh... Oh, well, yeah. Oh, no, I'm done. <laughs> So this game, much like uh, Fort was talking about before, this game was also programmed in BASIC and released on the Apple II. Um, but what was going on at this time? It was completed in 1980, but uh, it, uh, Garriott now had a publisher, the California Computer Pacific Company. And uh, it was during, when he finished it in 1980, this was his freshman year at University of Texas, um, they applied for a copyright and were waiting on a copyright for Ultima. So instead, they published a Calabeth, and this is when he makes his apparent 150000 So then, in 1981, the copyright comes over, gets fully registered, and Garriott and uh, Cal- California, CCP we'll call them, California Computer Pacific, um, releases the game to some... Success. Uh, 50,000 copies on the Apple II and a port to the Atari 8-bit computers, which was the 400 and 800. <clears throat> but ultimately, Ultima is just a modified version of a Calabeth, meaning it's not the same game in any stretch of the imagination, but he used uh, most of the same subroutines, which are better known as like command structures. Um, he reused... Dungeon templates, uh, overworld perspectives. Uh, he did add towns, quests, and a UI, though. So that's a big deal. And, of course, the scale's massive. Like, you talked about you had fucking space. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, the other thing was the graphics were coded in um, assembly by a buddy of his, Ken W. Arnold. And then he programmed the whole game in basic. So he didn't really do the graphics for this one. So the graphics are better, but oh, they're yeah, still pretty archaic, as you said. They're, they're pretty archaic, but they're much better, and, um, like, there is this one section where you're actually in space and shooting shit down, and it's, like, just, like, uh, wireframe fucking TIE Fighters, and it's actually pretty cool. Is it TIE Fighters? Is it, is it like, x is actually I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Don't correct me. I don't care about Star Wars. I'm looking. Uh, it looks like TIE Fighters. Um... But uh, the other thing I want to point out is most people have not played the version that I was referring to. Origin Software, which we can talk about in a minute, um, 
Origin Systems, rather, uh, would recreate this game in assembly so that it was easier to port to other locations. And that's where it far surpasses the 500 or the 50,000 copies of the original. Um, but that re-release was um, was in 1986 because Origin doesn't even come out come around until 83. So, and then that is where it gets ported to DOS, which is the version that you play in the GOG release with DOSBox. So most people have played the 86 remake which is not the same thing that you're seeing with the original. So, there you go. Um, anything else you want to say about the first Age of Darkness before we move on? Um, so there are actually multiple kings in this game, and they all have princesses locked up in their dungeons, which is really? somehow hilarious. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, why do all of you have, like, locked up princesses in your basement? Like, what's, on, what's going on with that? It's a thing to do. Haven't you watched Game of Thrones? I I no. I, I read the books. I don't actually like Game of Thrones anymore. Haven't but you ever read the uh, the stories of fire and ice or whatever they're called? <laughs> yeah, dude, I've read like all of them, but this is like this is this is nowhere near as dark. Fair this enough. Is, this is much more clown shoes. Yeah, I will give you that. But you know what? Every. Every king still felt like he needed a princess in his uh, in his his basement, I guess. Uh, I mean, to be fair, like if I was a king, I no actually I'd be like Triple H. I'd have like a golden skull crown, and then I like <laughs> get carried around on the throne, and then I like I like point my dick and tell people to suck it. Just in general. See, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, I get it. Okay, that, well, that's the way shit flies in. Uh, uh, what's the area called? Sosaria. It's called Sosaria at that point, but later on it becomes Britannia. Oh, okay, Britannia. I I like that better. Sosaria sounds like kind of like a play on words almost. See, the thing is, but, like uh, in my native speak, uh, Sosaria kind of sounds like Sosus, which is like uh, it's just like some sort of like uh, it's basically a word for like a gopher. So it's the land of gophers. Oh, yeah. Sounds like a very benevolent... <laughs> the land of gophers. Um, so... Ultima 2. All right. So let's go to Ultima 2. Uh, that came out the year I was born, 1982. Uh, the Revenge of the Enchantress. So, okay. So this game is even crazier. This game yes, but it takes place all on Earth now. <laughs> Don't ask me. Kind of. Don't actually have that works. It also involves time travel. So yes, there's portals and time travels. That yeah. much I know. Yeah. So this game is fucking crazy. It's <laughs> crazy, but it has one big problem. I think, like, I'm, I'm sure that all of these ultimate games, like, part of the intention was to sell game guides. And I think this okay. game kind of goes too far in being, like, cryptic. It's not even cryptic. Like, purposely obtuse? It's not even obtuse, it's just shit that they straight up didn't tell you you could do. That you need to know how to do to beat the fucking game. But, okay, so before I get to that, I'm going to tell you what the problem is. Okay. So, so, so the wizard who's a stupid rock you shatter and then you stab him in the face. That was cool. Uh, so he had, he had a lady friend, and she and she's like pissed. And she's like, and she basically like uh, takes control of like I don't know, some sort of castle where she like hangs out with a bunch of demons and she's conquered Earth for some reason. Because the Avatar is like a Nerfling. Britannia is not Earth, but for some reason it's for some reason it's 
there's not much irk, even though for most games it's always been Britannic. But yeah, uh, I think he probably. Uh, are you guessing that's that's been point, like? The point is, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's Fair just, enough. <laughs> it's just it's just something that happened. It, like he wasn't thinking about it too hard, and neither should we. But basically, like he, she basically locks herself in the castle. There's like a magic barrier and shit. And then your quest for that game is basically to somehow get into the castle and fuck shit up. And you have to like travel across like there's like ten planets in our solar system for some reason in the game. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, for funsies, like in this game, the only way you can get a rocket ship is you go to the Soviet Union and you steal their rocket, which is. Right? Which is uh, amazing. It's awesome. Yeah, power. that is pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> that is fucking awesome. Like, uh, so you so you have to like travel around, and the thing, uh, and the reason why this game sucks, well, that sucks. But the reason why this game, like, I think is probably impossible without a guide, is because okay. uh, uh, for one, like, the only way you can really like, level up your stats is by finding this one NPC and giving him money. And you don't even know that you have a command to give people money. And you just randomly levels your shit up. And you need to level your and you need to level your shit up to, to get new to use new weapons. Yeah. And it's like this it's like this cursed circle of like um, of like uh, constantly having to pay money and to upgrade yourself and it's just mm. It's it, this is this is like this is just the most like cynical, callous like attempt to try to sell people like game guy but having to call like a one eight hundred number to like tell them what the fuck to do because this is nonsense. And the well, worst, I'm trying to see here. And the worst thing is like that it doesn't just end there. Like you have to pay one NPC to get a ring to get across the magic gear barrier to get into the castle. But the final fuck you. The final fuck you is that. Um, the, the, the enchantress, to kill her, you need a very specific sword, and at no point anyone ever, ever, ever tells you about the sword or that you need it. And it's just bullshit. What's the final So you just have to know that you need to find it? Yeah, which is not that bad today because we have like game facts, we could read it, it's like, oh, okay. But back in like. But back the, then, man, 82? Yeah, it's like this is this is a, this is a goddamn scam. You should, you should <laughs> That's some nine hundred number shit. Yeah, what a dark age indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I agree. When we were calling Fresh Prince um, on the telephone, was he around then? I thought it was more sort of. Uh, that might have been more like eighty-five, but ha ha! You could call Fresh Prince for two ninety-nine a minute. Yo, but. Will, your I, your future your future children are are all shitbags, and I hate you. <laughs> oh, and DJ Jazzy Jeff was in on that though, so it's somewhat redeemable. Um, but uh, uh, he needs his paper. God bless his soul. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, so I don't. Is there much to say about this game besides uh, a couple of things about the development, real quick? Uh, for the second Ultima, Garriott wanted the speed of the game to be more noticeable. So I guess, I guess the first game ran like shit, but a lot of people won't know that because they didn't play the original one that was programmed in BASIC. Um, so he decided to learn assembly language. So part of his stuff was Tom Lures, L-U-H-R-S, taught him assembly. Took him about a month and a half. 
Um, and he was, of course, studying at University of Texas. So this guy's putting himself through college at the same time. Um, but from an engine perspective, Ultima 2 uh, is pretty much the same, but now converted to assembly language, full-blown. So it does take him two years. Um, the, uh, the map is probably the most notable upgrade other than that, which is that you got a cloth map with it. And that was like the big thing. And Sierra Online made a big deal with it. And it starts the legacy of cloth maps coming with every Ultima game. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, plus like travel through space, you actually have to punch in like uh, XYZ coordinates. So yeah, it's like for this shit. Wow, you really? really? Yeah. Yeah, so you actually needed to like write shit down, which is cool actually. Like, like I kind of... Well, I don't necessarily mind the, the, like, making things more open to new people, as long as it's not dumbing things down. In a way, it's kind of awesome that there used to be games that are, like, straight up expecting you to not be an idiot. And mm -hmm. you get everything handed to you, like, like all of this Kanye's shit that's going on now. Everyone is equal, except no one feels fulfilled. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so, um, Ultima 3? Uh, well, hold on real quick. Uh, the last thing I was going to mention was this was the first one to hit not only Apple platforms like all the previous ones, but it also hit Atari PCs, Commodore 64, and IBM compatibles at the same time. Um, so, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Ultima 3. Exodus. Ultima what? Ultima 3 is... Uh, it's like sort of a reduction in the sense that like, they finally cut out all of the shit with the beam guns but it's still kind of clown shoes one of the neat things about this game is that you can play as a you're going to like select a race of your character now even though that yes. doesn't make sense because you're you're supposed to be an earthling and you're like the only things that actually can do shit on this planet so but you can like save play as a fucking hobbit and you, and you, yep. and you, and you can be like male female or whatever so you can basically play yeah. like a, you can play as like a transsexual midget Ewok. So yep. yeah, that's and a, then you got to pick your class. You get to pick your class. So there's, there's like so many fucking classes in this. Fighter, game. paladin, cleric, barbarian, lark, a lark, a druid, an illusionist. There's eleven classes in total. I've got the whole list, but it's not necessary. But yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, and also, like, the villain of this game is, like, this thing called Exodus, which are, like, the progeny of, like, uh, Mondane and Minash, which are, like, the villains of the previous games. It's, like, it's not a man nor machine, except now it's a computer. It's, like, some, <laughs> weird, it's some weird Satan computer. I don't know why. Yeah, it looks kind of like Mephistopheles to me. Yeah, it's, it's actually, like, uh, it's kind of like uh, the end of, like, NES Metal Gear. Where you just like slide, like the final <laughs> battle of this game literally is when you slide punch cards into this fucking computer so it fucking dies. Really? It's, it's about as like lame as uh, as like not fighting Metal Gear or anything else in Metal Gear. That's awesome. I mean, not awesome. Well, it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Uh, it gets gets better. You know what the final enemies of this game are? Hmm. It's the floor. The floor. The floor. Okay, that was the last thing I was going to expect you to say. The floor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How does one fight the floor? 
Well, basically, well, the logical, uh, well, logically, there's just, like, no sprite there, but it's still, okay. like, for every child, there is a enemy, it's just invisible, but, like, I don't know how this would work in, like, actual <laughs> visualization. It's that makes like, two of us. Uh, I think Richard didn't even know what he's doing, he just, I think he, like, looked at it from a purely mathematical perspective, and he's like... What is the last thing they would expect that would piss them the fuck off? Well, it's weird because it looks like a weird... And it, is this the one that has the party system? Yes, this was the first one where you had a party as well. So there were four people. Yeah. Uh, no, you could have more. You just shouldn't have more than, like, uh, like three or four because then it, like, drains your food, like, immediately. Because yeah. everyone has to eat. Everyone. Yeah, food is a is still a problem. Um, I've heard that this game was as beloved as it was frustrating. Oh yeah, because I got to eat. Everyone's got to. Well, eat. you couldn't save in dungeons, right? Like, so you had to beat the whole dungeon before you could one quit, or two, if you died, you had to redo the whole damn thing. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. That. <laughs> I don't think I could do this. Neither <laughs> could I, really. But, uh. Development history, tell me about it. But yeah, it, uh. Beating the game requires the player to get all four marks and all four player ca prayer cards. Yeah, those And then go to the Altar of Exodus and, like you said, insert the cards in the right order. Yep, yep. yep. Great. But, uh, this one was a, another big one for him. Uh, an additional amount of copies. I think, I don't remember if I told the last one, but the last one was like 80,000. This one gets up to 120,000. It's the best-selling video game in March of 1985. So, um, which this came out in 83, so I'm not sure why that is, but, you know, hey, uh, a lot of its ports got released later. So, one also just things were slower back then. Yeah, this is also the first one that gets released by one of my favorite publishers, Pony Canyon, in name only, uh, for the NES slash Famicom, which uh, they did alter the gameplay a lot to make it more user-friendly, so maybe this is the way. Um, and they added an end game, but otherwise it's it's pretty much the same game with upgraded graphics. So mm, That's nice. I should probably actually look at these. Yeah. Or sometimes. Um... Anything else, or shall we move on to um, the big okay. one? Quest of the Avatar. Quest of the Avatar. This, this is, one's also free on GOG if you're wanting to play it. Free on GOG when you sign up for it. Yeah, uh, this game is the first open world, like truly open world RPG. Yep, released in 1985. Yep, and this game. So, this game has a very interesting time. Because this game does not have, like, a traditional main quest. Like, there's no, like, Avatar, there's another bad guy. Could you go beat him up? Now, in this game, like, the This is a spiritual is, journey of a game. <laughs> it, it actually is. So, basically, the idea is, like, uh, so Lord British, he once has this great idea. He has this... Okay, Avatar. Avatar, are you listening to me? Son, I have an idea. So, you're, you're, you're like a hero, right? So, here's my idea. 
why don't you become like Jesus and the Buddha and you just travel around and do good things for the people so that they learn to be good themselves. And you're like, eh, why not? Well, and, and you know what this stems from, right? Um, as in... Like, why he does, why he chose this direction for this game? Uh, because that's what he wanted to do. <laughs> well, apparently it stems from feedback. Uh, California Pacific Computer and Sierra Online uh, would keep fan and listener mail to themselves. And then he eventually, when he made Origin Systems and released... Um, the first game, which I should point out, Origin Systems, he made in 1983, and that's what released Ultima 3. Uh, that is a combination of him, his brother, his father, and a couple of friends that made Origin Systems. So once he had his own company, of course, all of the fan mail came directly to him. And a lot of them were, he was a good Catholic boy growing up, and a lot of them were, or, sorry, Christian boy, let me take that back. Um, and he got a lot of stuff from uh, parent groups, Christian parent groups, and then, of course, uh, bad was another big one. The brothered about dun or bothered about Dungeons and Dragons parent group, and they all wrote to him and said that they didn't like that his game was still like every other RPG in that it was the goal was to kill everything and uh, go against God's ways, and that's what you had to do in order to beat the game. So he set out to make a game where you didn't have to kill or beat a big bad in order to beat the game, and thus Quest of the Avatar is born. For better or worse. I think it's awesome. Like Actually, like, yeah. I think it's awesome. I would agree. Like, like it's, it's something you still don't really see. Like, even, like, today's open-world RPGs, they still have, like, their mo like their main quest line. Whereas, like, this one, like, you have to... Basically, the goal of this game is you travel around, and there's, like, eight virtues... And you're basically supposed to fill the criteria for each of them and basically spread the good message. And, like, and like even though it's, like, you know, you can clearly see, like, your little, like, parallels with Christianity and Buddhism, like, uh, the, the belief system is, like, very uh, secular at the end of the day, so I don't think anyone could really be offended by this game. But even then, like, this game... Um, one of the, my my favorite, most favorite things about this game is uh, is like this game already like shows uh, the problems with world dogmatism. And they're very like mm -hmm. uh, small way. So a lot of these games are like there are these fucking uh, goblin enemies, and these are little these are just little pieces of shit. They basically run up to you, they kick you in the dick, they steal your food, and they run the fuck away. And in this game, like, one of the virtues is Valor. And yes. the principle of Valor is uh, you're not supposed to strike a unarmed or fleeing enemy. So what happens is these little, so these little goblin motherfuckers, they run up to you, they kick you in the dick, they steal your food, and they run the fuck away. So you because of Valor, you can't go after them. Even though, if you look at his, this in context... There would be nothing dishonorable about stabbing them in the back, because they're like you know like the idea of not striking someone who's unarmed. So like you're not supposed to attack someone who's innocent or someone who is like given up and yielding. That's the idea. These guys never mm -hmm. intended to fight you. They just intended to exploit you for 
the word of the law rather than like like the spiritual aspect of it. And another one is like so you actually like uh, your party members. Each one of them symbolizes one of the virtues. So most of them are good at something, except for one. There is one female NPC, like the Gajarian party, is like a shepherd or something, and she is uh, humility. Yes. Humility translates to sucks at everything. She, <laughs> she sucks at everything. She can't take a hit. She can't hit people. She but she is, is the root of all virtue. She, <laughs> she just trucks along behind you and eats all your food. <laughs> and and at a certain point, like when like if you make the mistake of taking her with you, and after a while you're just like, I'm gonna pop her in the mouth, bitch. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. There's like other ridiculous shit like uh, there's charity, where you basically give beggars your money. And you and my like the easiest way to do it is like there's like a blood bank, so you mm -hmm. just go back and forth between Lord British because the only thing he's good for is to heal you. So you run <laughs> jump from him to the blood bank back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's just mm. this is this game like like it has this game like I think it should be treated seriously, but at the same time, but it's still. It's still really funny in some ways. Well, and I just like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even, even though, like, the, the way we're talking about them right now, like, these games, like, if they were just, like, this piece of gaming archaeology, I, I probably wouldn't be talking to you about them right now. Like, there is, like, actual interesting things to talk about them, which is great. Like, well, yeah, I, think, it's a... I think we have way less to talk about, like, uh, wizardry. Which, to be fair, I oh, never, yeah. I never played any of them, but those seem like this is a nerd-ass nerd game by nerd for nerd. <laughs> well, I think the problem with wizardry is it's one of those things you play, you don't really talk about. There are games like that. People have asked me, like, why don't you cover this, that, or the other? And I'm like, well, like, there's certain games that all you can talk about is, you know... There's nothing to talk about what happens. It's like the day-to-day. -day. It's like, imagine doing an entire show about, like, the different things that can happen in Spelunky. Like, that game is all about playing it, not talking about it, I guess I would say. I think Wizardry is very much on the same page. See, see the thing is, like, that is sort of, uh, like, I'm sure there's, like, plenty of people who talk in that way about Minecraft who have an audience. The problem is mm -hmm. that I do not fall in the autism spectrum. So it's me. <laughs> well, what I think was interesting about this game was, yeah, it was a it was a quest of uh, spirituality and uh, right doing, uh, which made it unique, I guess. And it seemed relatively religion free. It's borrowing, like you said, from a lot of different concepts, but, but uh, it's, it is like still secular at the end of the day. Like, uh, like yeah, like. Later on, like this whole like spiritual thing, it carries on through the later games. But even then, like uh, you're never like like told to like the avatar is like this special divinity figure. He is just uh, a guy at the right time, the right guy at the right time. 
you basically that. Exactly. And, and yeah, um, this game is. Yeah, I think it's great. Like uh, everybody has said that it's probably the strongest in the series, uh, but that it might not it, have aged well. It, but it, it, well, none of them have aged well, to be honest. That makes sense. But we're talking uh, about mid to late eighties, not even games. Well, I think they carry on to the nineties ones, and the nineties ones. I think those have also those also have their like interesting aspects to them that make them like worthwhile, and they're good games there, but. They have not aged that well either. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Background. Real quick, I want to talk about the uh, NES one. Um, so the, the, the NES version is just a very simplified version. So, for example, um, a lot of the puzzles are changed... Are, are, are taken out, actually, not changed up. Um, you only have four characters in your team at a time, whereas... Am I correct that you can amass up to seven at once in the personal computer version? You shouldn't? You should really keep your group small? Yes, because they all eat. They all eat a lot. Oh, right. You were talking about, yeah. You keep forgetting about food. Um, in fact, I wonder if food's part of this. Food may be taken out of this version, but don't quote me on that. I won't. Um... But uh, anyway, uh, other than that, uh, I'm trying to remember. Spell casting is super simplified, uh, but it does stream. Pardon? I would imagine there would be. <laughs> yeah, because apparently it's a pretty complex system. Like you even like mix different spell types together to make hybrid spells and stuff, and none of that's in the original Nintendo uh, game. Is that plus the, the magic systems, they like fluctuate a lot between the games, so... Okay. Um, from what I've been told, this is this is to Final Fantasy... Like, imagine, you know, Final Fantasy 2 in America, which was Final Fantasy 4 elsewhere, uh, is like the stripped-down version. This is kind of the same concept. Uh, it's shortened and stripped-down, but it gets the whole story across. Apparently it's very good. I played it when I was a kid. I don't remember much about it, but I remember enjoying myself. And I remember it not being too hard, which, again, is counter to what I know about this game <clears throat> on other platforms. Should also point out that um, the Master System did get a port. It's the only one to get ported over to a Sega system. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's very much the original game. It's, it's pretty much a port of the C64 version, so, or MSX version. So this one's a little closer to home for those that want to pick it up on the Master System. And I do believe it was released on both the American and Japanese Master System, and Europe, sorry. So um, to my knowledge, it was released on all of those. So anyway... Um, but yeah, that's Quest of the Avatar. Uh, it's free on God Show. There's really no real sacrifice trying it out if you want to. It's it's neat and interesting enough to always boot up once, but once it's like nothing, you'll download it in half a second. Mm-hmm. So, Ultima 5, Ultima 5, what was the subtitle? Um, you tell me if you want me to tell you. <laughs> tell me. All right, Ultima Five was much later. It was Warriors of Destiny, 
So this game, so this is a direct sequel to Ultra 4, and it follows up on the spirituality line super hard. Mm -hmm. This game's message is that you should not allow the state to dictate your morality in any way, regardless if you agree with them or not. So basically the premise of this game is like, so you were the avatar in Ultra 4, and then you peaced out back there for a couple of years, and then you come back. And what happened is, like, uh, during the time you were gone, so we're British and his, like, war party, they basically said, okay, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna, we're gonna genocide all the demons and the dungeon shit, and basically then what happens is, like, they kind of ended up sealing themselves in the dungeons. So, in his absence, okay. the ruling guy is this dude called Lord Blackthorn. I wonder if he's evil. Well, if yeah, and, and again, like you'd already said, this basically... You know, the root of this game was not letting your morality be waned by leadership. In this case, you know, a dictatorship versus a monarchy. Well, no, no. no. The thing is, like, so this Blackthorn dude, he fucking loves the virtues. He's like, he's like, oh, they're great. So if they're great, then why shouldn't they be mandatory? So basically what happens is, like, uh, if you lie, you get your tongue cut out. Um, if charity is so great, then why not just make it taxation? And um, so basically, every single one of them is like just perverted in a way that where they're no longer like the spiritual thing. It's just this act of coercion in every way. And what else is so basically what happens is like all pretend is hostile towards you, the avatar. And uh, what's kind of fun is like, so from Ultima 1, there's like the dude whose rock you shattered, the immortal. And then basically from this rock, there were like these ring rigs, like from Lord of the Rings, where basically the corrupting influence who have been um, corrupting Blackthorn into becoming a horrible dictator. And what's also interesting is like the end game, like fail state, is that basically you get captured by Lord, Lord Blackthorn. And he tortures, and he basically tortures every single one of your party members, one by one, demanding you surrender, like, the words of virtue or something, which are, like, basically, like, all the virtues are, like, some sort of rune thing, that, like, words right. are associated with them. Actually, this is another cool thing about this game. So, it actually rewards you for playing the previous one, because, uh, you, and, like, the yeah. first, you learn the words... And they're still the same in the in the fifth one, so you can uh, actually circumvent an entire uh, part of the quest. Just don't yeah, doesn't it read for your save game from the previous game? It, is that it, what it is? It does, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, this game, it's 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 pretty cool. Like like uh, Fair Fox doing. This is actually way more involved than any game really was at that point. In terms of like story. Like well, well the thing about that, like these games are like they are not really games with characters but they still somehow tell a more substantial story than a lot of games at that point and for a long time. Well I'm told the dialogue is much stronger than really a lot of games. <clears throat> So. It's a stronger, like, they, like, these things are written. 
uh, it kind of gets cheapened later on when they like have like small bits of voice acting, which is just hilarious. Just, mm. <laughs> Um, I, I will say that uh, some of the criticism that was held against it was that uh, your, your, your day-to-day, your passage from task to task or quest to quest was a little more rote. There was a little less to do in the world, but, uh, yes. but a lot of people loved this game. Yeah, there was a lot less openness because you're in a constantly hostile environment, more or less. Um, yeah. So, of course, like, no one's going to be like, Ah, Avatar, help me give the children cinnamon buns or something, because everyone's like, What the, <laughs> fuck, what the fuck is this guy? What are you doing here? Avatar? Huh? I don't trust you. Get out of here. And then so we bring race. Uh, you actually, like, these, like, uh, these, like, Nazgul dudes, like, they would just randomly spawn in uh, into town. Yeah, they're on the box art. Yeah, and the thing about them is, like, they're they're straight-up Nazgul because, like, you just can't kill them no matter how hard you try. Like, all blades that touch them perish. Which is exactly so just run. Thing. When you see them, just run, huh? Oh, you don't even have to see them. You just see, like, oh, the town's empty. It's just, like, back, o- back away, sir. Back, back away, away, slowly. <laughs> You're like, yes, it should. But, uh... All right, well, so that wraps up the uh, the fifth game, Warriors of Destiny. Um, Ultima Six, the False Prophet. I believe you're right. You are correct. I'm the False at, Prophet. I'm looking at the fucking list. Nineteen ninety, and this is where um, this is kind of the template for which a lot of these offshoot games starts to fall under. Yeah. So this game has one big problem. Okay. It has, it has, like, one of the most obtuse, horrible inventories you can find. Because it's basically, like, so, I, I sort of understand what they were going for. Like, um, so, you have, like, your little, you have, like, your little kit. You have, like, a, your little backpack, and inside the backpack there's bags. There's bags which you put, like, smaller things in, which is sort of right. It's sort of realistic to be fair, like, oh, you put the smaller things in a tiny baggie, and you put the tiny baggie in, like, this medium-sized baggie, and it's, like, inside this backpack, next to the armor, which is big, but when you have to do this every time for every single <laughs> fucking party member, and God forbid there's, like, a really important item involved, then it's like, uh, no, sir, no. This game is not like, worthwhile. This game is this game is kind of a nightmare in that sense, which is a shame because the premise of it is actually pretty cool. So basically, what what turns out so there's like this holy text called the 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 Codex of the Ultimate Wisdom, which is basically mm-hmm. this thing that Lord British, this cockfighting. He had you steal uh, from these gargoyles in the previous game. Like, 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 of course, under a different context, but this is something that came up way later. And then these gargoyles, they just come out of, like, hell, and they're like, they're like, give us back our fucking holy text, asshole. And basically, it's like this weird, like, uh, this situation where, like, there is, like, this queer religious conflict, but there is not necessarily a villain. 
Like, it's more like this unfortunate, like, Israel-Palestine situation. Where, like, where it's not so much, like, who's at fault or what, it's more like, how does the Avatar de-escalate the tensions between the humans and these demon dudes? Yeah, diplomacy plays a large part in Ultima 6, as I understand it. Yeah, this is cool. It's a shame that the game itself is a fucking thing to play. Well, apparently the the big thing that at least people who look back on it or, or some of the uh, documents and, and things I read about it was the other big thing was your perspective was the same. So we had talked about this previously. It was first person for combat and top down for overworld and scale was widely varied between the two. Whereas apparently in Ultima 6, starting with Ultima 6, uh, it's all the same scale, so it's kind of like one big main world. So uh, a lot of people say, like, imagine the first Grand Theft Auto. Um, well, well, no, like, Ultima 1 and 3 were also top-down, I think. But once you get into the dungeons, they're first-person, aren't they? Uh, what? I was pretty sure they were. I remember distinctly, like... Um, like stabbing the final bosses was like from a top down. Well, I wonder if the remakes uh, did that. I don't know. Um, yeah, matter. Either way, that's something that's 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 mentioned somewhat. That's, also, that's, is that's for digging. Like, if y'all want to dig, y'all should dig. Don't <laughs> give you all the answers. Well, and like you said, uh, this is where Worlds of Ultima spins off. This is where we get. Uh, the two worlds of Ultima games, right? Or there's two of them? There's two of them. Uh, they have like, nothing to do with the main plot, but apparently I heard that they're, uh, they're great, but uh, I've never actually really played them. Again, well, they're also they're free with GOG, so you'll be able to... Yep. yep. They're free with GOG, and uh, they do look just like Ultima 6, like in terms of perspective. It, it's the same exact engine, same city uh, inventory. So, um, ooh, also there's a fan-made remake called the U6 Project uh, that makes it in the, that uh, makes Ultima 6 in Dungeon Siege's engine. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if it's a mod for Dungeon Siege. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but uh, here I'm looking at it. Looks like, no, looks like you can just download it. Um, but anyway, so, um, so then we move into the third trilogy. Uh, yeah, the fucking Guardian. This yeah, and apparently a lot of people say nowadays Ultima 7 is where you should start if you're new to the games. Ultima awesome. 7, The Black Gate. So, uh, yeah, so this is where... Things get interesting in a different way. So basically, like they introduce like the Guardian, who is the long-term villain of the series. From that point on, he is this big red space motherfucker. Like, 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 like in this game, like the the Black Age. Sure, when you boot it up the first time, like you see his big dumb red head poke out and all of its like you no know, textured polygonal glory. And he's like, they have like their little low-rent, like, Tony J guy. It's like, ah, ha, ha, Avatar, I'm fucking evil, and I'm coming for you. 
And and then basically the premise of this game is like it's been a while and you returned to Britannia again and during the time that you were gone, um, there's like basically a, like this like monotheistic cult built around the Guardian that's uh, like the main religion now is kind of like pushed out with this little like virtue thing that you were all about. And apparently people are attributing it to Scientology? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of inspired by Scientology, but... Yeah. Considering that he is sort of a space deity, yeah, it's, it's probably Scientology. <laughs> um, oh, actually, the way you find that out is it's revealed in... In an interview on Ultima Ascension, I guess. So that's there you go. Well, well, now that it's mentioned in retrospect, it does make a lot of sense. But a cult is a cult. I wouldn't. Yeah, it's it's a cult. It's kind of irrelevant who they're based yeah, on. Yeah, like of. like especially considering the setting, it really wouldn't have thought about Scientology because that is like a very modern thing in the grand scheme of things. Well, well, and it's somebody's personal religion. Like, again, at this point on this show, I think I don't want to go after any one religion, regardless of how much the the culture likes to turn against it. It's just I don't have a vested interest in caring whether or not it's, uh, <laughs> you know, if, you, if it's your religion, it's your religion. But, yes, everyone can dig a cult, right? We all can understand a cult, regardless of who it's based off of. We can dig that concept. So basically, uh, this game. So they're like this church, and uh, the church is evil, and it's like way too obvious from the get-go. And these dudes, like, they basically want to like create a black gate. That's the title. They want to create a black gate, so they're like they're like big red dumb space god coming to their dimension. Well, so. Basically, your quest is, like, just smash the black gate before he comes there. And that's, like the, like, the short story of this. Uh, this game, so, one of the one of the things about it is, uh, uh, there is, like, an Easter egg hinting to, like, uh, what's the, what's the one? Uh, Wing Commander. Like, you should have find, like... Uh, oh, yes, Origin Systems' other game series at the yeah. time was so Wing Commander. you actually find, like, a shot-down, like, a Kilrati, like, a spaceship for, like, the villains, or, like, the cat people from, um... Yeah. You know, Wing Commander. And you get the fucking, uh... And you get this weapon called the Hole of Destruction, which is, like, the second strongest game, weapon in the game. <laughs> then, then Did they, you just say the Hoe of Destruction? It is a hoe. It is a like an H O E. Yeah, like the, the the gardening tool. It is literally a gardening tool. It's a long. That's fantastic. Gardening hoe that just wrecks destruction upon everything, and you get this thing called the black sword, which you can, on command, kill literally anything. Which is <laughs> some of the most ridiculously overpowered shit possible. You can kill Lord British with it. That's fantastic. I mean, not that necessarily killing Lord British, but just the strength of this thing. Oh, no, like, Lord British, the, the, the video game character, is, like, supremely killable. He is a asshole. He, he, he Yeah, like, as, as you've told does, it in these does, later games. He does nothing. He just, like, sits on his throne and, like, picks his nose for forever. And <laughs> he's killing magic. 
And he expects you to solve every single fucking one of his problems. He is a piece of shit. Fuck him. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so you can actually kill one British in almost any game in which he appears. I, I've actually written down how. So I'm going to go through it real quick. Okay. So, so Ultimate 1, you, you can just beat him up. Ultimate 2, you can beat him up. In Ultimate 3, in like the computer <laughs> versions of it, you the only way you can kill him is by kicking him and well, attacking him and then running out and having a boat nuke him with cannons. <laughs> so like he chases after you? <laughs> yep, yep, you kick him in the dicky and then you run out and he gets nuked. Um, Fantastic. Ultimate four, you just you just beat him up. Ultimate five. So in Ultimate Five he spends his time like mostly lost in the fucking abyss. So um, so you can't exactly kill him by yourself, but there is a there is eventually a timer that runs out and he'll just die of hunger. Although the timer is so long <laughs> that it So it's like beating the end? Yeah, but the thing is like you can't actually you can't really do this unintentionally because like the timer is like so long that like under normal circumstances it wouldn't happen. Right, so you have to know what you're doing. Yep. Ultimate six is beat him up, the roll cannon to do his most front wing him, just shoot him. So Ultimate Seven, the Black Gate, you can uh, straight up just um, you can command the black sword to kill him and you get a like special scene for it. Or there is like in the courtyard there is a rock hanging from the ceiling. Well no, it's it's like a it's like a stone that's like part of the wall. And if mm -hmm. you flick it at the right time, you just fall around his head, you fall, and it hits him on the head, and he dies. The right just falls on him, and just crushes his head. That is actually based. <laughs> that is actually based off of a sort of real thing that happened to Word British. Where in their like, uh, their like, their like studio in Texas, he just like once walked through a doorway, and a plaque, like a metal plaque, fell on his head, and <laughs> he actually needs to go. Holy off. crap! Yeah. So they integrated that as the way you can kill him in the game? That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Um, Serpent Isle. I'm just going to go through the game real quick how it happens. Sure. So in Serpent Isle, he doesn't appear. He only appears in a dream sequence. And you can try to attack him, but if you attack him, he's just like, ah, this is a dream avatar. This is a dream <laughs> On the Ultima 8, he does not appear. Ultima 9. Ultima 9 is kind of great. That game, that game is shit, but the, the quest to kill War British is kind of great. In that, like, so you start that game, sort of a spoiler for my complaints later on, but you start that game in, like, the, on Earth, you mentioned, and uh, you basically, in your own house, you can take a loaf of bread and lace it with rat poison. And then you carry that thing to like until you finally get to his castle and you just put it on the table and he'll eventually eat it and die of rat poison. <laughs> Which is, uh, Fantastic. I think I want I think I know what you're gonna say about some of your complaints with nine, but <clears throat> since we're running shy on time, why don't we try to get there? So is there anything else you want to say oh sorry? 
Uh, so, okay, Serpent Isle. Serpent Isle is like the sequel. Well, Serpent, Serpent Isle is 7 Part 2, right? 7 Part 2, but if they wanted to label it Ultima 8, they could have. Gotcha. So, so, so this game was like, it's like follow-up. You go to like this place called Serpent Isle, which is like where mm-hmm. war British exiled all the people who displeased them somehow. And then basically what the Guardian, he's, he's angry that you, like, locked him out of your world for now. So he basically, he, like, screws with these things called, like, the, the serpents of whatever, which are basically what ha- holds, like, the entire universe together. So your entire quest for this game is to uh, prevent actual Armageddon. So basically what happens is, like, there is shit it's in light. It just rips... Uh, like, one of the first things that happened in this game is, like, you're, like, decked in your, like, Ultimate 7 Part 1 gear, but then there's, like, weird, like, magic lightning storm that just takes away your shit because reality is just falling apart. Wow. So, so yeah, so so the quest in this game is kind of epic, except for, like, the final, like, thing is, like, you need to put on, like, a bunch of, like, weird, like, serpent gear on so you can, like, be, like, they're, like, uh, they're, like, priest or something to like bring order back and it's kind of lame because it slogs you down but the ending of this game is kind of great because you like restore the balance but you're like stranded in space and then the guardian is like um i'm gonna have my revenge anyway so he like takes you to this place called pagan which is the setting of what's about uh eight pagan mm-hmm. which is a horrible game so the, I, we talked about this back in like that last time I was on. This is actually what sparked the uh, idea for this podcast. So, right, right. Was Ultimate Eight in and of itself? Uh, Ultimate Eight. So this thing, is, this game. Could well, be- before we go on to Eight, the one thing I wanted to say was the feedback I had read about was that in Seven, um, the biggest issues were. The inventory system was still shit, I guess. I guess the performance was shit, which you won't notice on modern-day PCs. But the time, load times, and, and just the performance of the game overall was really bad. And apparently you had to manually feed everybody. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I mean, that would be a deal-breaker right there. I don't know. <laughs> the inventory is not that bad compared to 6, but it's not good. <clears throat> Uh, but uh, the feeding. Like, so on to pagan. <laughs> I, I, the good thing about like Serpent Isle is that at least like you have to like fight evil versions of your party members, which means there is a period of time you don't need to shovel food in your stupid mouth. There you go. There you go. Uh, uh, so look at my eight pagan. So in this game you're entirely alone, and the premise of this game is fucking awesome. Like like on paper the premise is awesome. Basically you're exiled to like this entirely hostile environment. Like, magic doesn't work. In this game, basically, you're supposed to go everything against everything the Avatar stands for to amass power because it's the only way you're going to get back and be able to fight the Guardian. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. As the Osprey premise, you need to, like, uh, sacrifice things to demons and do all of this, like, highly immoral shit, but it's all for the greater good. So this is like this is like this, this should this should be like this is like this and Ultimate Nine should be like the Phantom Pain for the Avatar. He's now the punished Avatar, and it's like all for revenge. 
and 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 the problem with this game is like it's just it's just broken. It's broken in a million ways. It it plays like shit. It it runs like shit. Um, has a lot of bugs apparently. Has a lot of bugs. It's just clearly unfinished. There's a shit missing. It looks the same. It plays like Gary. It was very hands off with this game. He says. It was very hands off, but the things like this was uh, like a lot of the development for this one and the next one was uh, was stifled because of Ultimate Online. Ah, uh, so this is about that same time. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, was it ninety four? Yeah, ninety four. Uh, uh, fun fact. So uh, back to the killing of Richard Gary real quick in Ganja. Uh huh. <laughs> so, uh, so no one should have been able to kill him in the Oldsboro Online, but one person walked out and did it. Because, like, what used to happen is, like, uh, Richard Garrett, he used to give, like, uh, State of the Union addresses to the players. And they would mm -hmm. be, like, in these areas where basically there's a script running where there's, like, uh, no weapons allowed or anything. And one guy sort of spawned in in a glitchy way. So he could pull out a shank. And there must have been like this magical moment in his mind like, oh my god, oh my god, I, I am a super do it. Richard's there. Richard. He's like, I need. <laughs> it's, it's and he awesome. assassinated him. It's awesome. It's it's something that I wish MMO still had. Like these like this this is true history. This is true history right there. This means yeah. Way more than any epic whatever raid in world of whatever. But anyway, okay, so Ultima. That's true. Broken ass game, fucking awful. I like it. I like it uh, from like the story standpoint of what it should have been, but uh, uh, this game's awful. Um, Ultima Nine Ascension. So the thing about Ultima Nine is that this is the first 3D one. But this one also mm -hmm. got sucked in the ass with like development cycles because there there was a previous version of this game, which they sure just had to throw out because like it was made for like 3D accelerator cards which were no longer in use. Yes. So they had to build this fucking thing up from from ground one more time. It's 3D, uh, and this game is awful. But it's it's the thing about it is like if you look at it purely from a gameplay perspective, it's not that bad. It's just very meh. Yeah, it looks a little rough around the edges graphically, though. It looks a little rough around the edges graphically, but it it just kind of looks wrong because it it sort of feels like I I don't have enough time to explain now. But this game it kind of feels like a joke that never actually happens. Like, mm -hmm. like, like, the Avatar, he looks like the stereotypical, like, paladin asshole caricature. Where he's just this, like, barrel-chested, blonde fucking doofus, and he sounds like that. <laughs> and you think that this is going to end up in, like, some sort of joke, eventually, and it never happens. This is the punchline never pays off. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 it can't be that this was meant seriously, but it doesn't actually lead anywhere, so what the fuck is this? The fuck is this? This game just fucks everything in the ass. Like, like it, it, it's, it's, it's a betrayal on every level. 
the plot doesn't make sense. Like, like, uh, like Ultimate Eight had a great ending, despite everything. Where basically, like, you're like, you did all this awful shit, but you're finally like ascended to almost godhood, and you've come back to, uh, to like Britannia, and it's like, and it should be like all for revenge. It's the Phantom Pain, punished Avatar. Let's go. Uh, from hell is hard, I stab at you. And Ultimate Nine, you should start. You start in Texas. It shouldn't happen. It's, it's just a huge <laughs> contradiction. And you have to like somehow like waltz your stupid ass back to uh, Britannia in a way that was never established. And then you go there, and then just it's just lame. It sucks. And literally the cut of the trails of the story. Uh, part of it is just like. Uh, Part of it also has to do with Ultimate 8. Like, they were supposed to explain what the hell the Guardian is. And the reason we get attention was, like, he is, like, uh, he's, like, the residue of the, like, the fucking immortality gem that the, the one that the first thing had just went to this, like, pagan world and it just became, like, this weird god figure where it's just... But instead of, like, Ultimate 9, it's just, like, oh, it's, like, the evil avatar. Like, he's the evil avatar. He's, like, your karmatic opposite even though it doesn't make sense because the avatar was never that powerful whereas this guy is basically just doing like galactus fucking freeze and dragon balls like i own entire planets by myself shit yeah this game that's crazy it's, it's just it's shit on so many levels and it, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it and the thing is like at, part, at first you're frustrated by the fact that he just doesn't acknowledge a lot of the previous canon but then when uh-huh. it's to actually address things from the past, you you start to realize, oh no, this is even worse because it, because they're just they're just ruining things now retroactively. Like it's really mm-hmm. tough to explain in brief, but I don't have the strength to explain it even if we had more time. Like this game is just fair enough. This game is just like like. It's bad if you just play it, but if you're like someone who actually like cared about the series as a whole, this game is like, this game is just, I don't understand what happened. Like, I understand, like... I mean, would you like me to tell you what happened? (laughs) Go ahead. I mean, it's not a very long story, but basically what happened was... um, Garriott had like one idea for what he wanted this to be and that was supposed to build off of Ultima 7 part 1 and 2 which is what he like retroactively after Pagan was released was like well maybe we should just pretend that 7 part 1 and 2 were the real trilogy and this will be the third part to it Um, but there was also Origin bringing on board some well known designers and talent and Garriott letting them take cracks at it, and their ideas were completely opposite some of the ways he was going. So uh, according to, like, interviews and stuff, there was at least four, if not as much as six different versions of this game in development, all being planned and prepared at once, and then they had to hodgepodge it together into a game. Couple that with the success of Ultima Online, which had gotten really heavy, and so part of the nine team was moved on to online. And then, of course, um, they were hoping to fix this all in a, in a later game or later, you know, subplot. And it all fell to shit instead because of uh, the Ultima franchise going under along with Origin. 
So it was a lot of real bad shit at the last minute. <laughs> yep, sounds about right. There are still two games we need to talk about. Okay. Uh, Ultima we've Underworld got... The only downside is we've got like five minutes, but I'm in. Uh, it doesn't actually take that long to really talk about them. Like, there, these games, like Ultimate Underworld, they're first-person dungeon crawlers. They're more involved than just like uh, uh, North, West, South. East, uh, like mm-hmm. just weapons, like there's like this is like what basically later gave you things like like uh, the Elder Scrolls and uh, Kingsfield, sort of like that. These games, like they're they're interesting games. Not like, helping. <laughs> but they are they are not they are not that great all in all. The first one's not that bad. The second one could go eat a dick. Because it's just, it's just, it's just way too difficult in a completely dickish way. Because, because it's just, like, the beginning of that game, the second one, is impossible. Because you're way gotcha. too weak, you're way too weak, and everything else is way too strong, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't Dark Souls it, where skill actually matters, you know? You're just gonna get punched. And punch and punch until you fall down. Well, uh, all, both of these together are six bucks on GOG. So, I mean, if you get one, you get the other anyway. So, at least you can find out for yourself. <laughs> I'm sure they're even less on a sale. So, maybe in that point, why not? But, eh. And, yeah, they do uh, go on sale. I should point out the entire Ultima series is normally 30 bucks on GOG. Uh, as like a bundle deal, and when they go on sale, it's usually about half that. I think it was between fifteen and eighteen bucks if you're looking to just Sounds capture right. all of them. Okay, <laughs> and in closing, um, so Richard Gary is making this fucking weird thing called Shroud of the After Forsaken Riches, because the thing is, he doesn't own the license to Ultima, like EA has that. Right. But this, he's making like this, he kickstarted this game around the same time that um, Torment Tides of Numenera was kickstarted. And this game is supposed to come out this year, I guess. And it's like this sort of, I don't know what this is, like, like no one really knows what he's making. It's like sort of an MMO, but not quite. I don't know. I'll, the only way to tell is when it finally comes out. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of praise. Again, this is where you get the idea of, uh, or this is where you get the opportunity to be able to buy his blood. Um, but yeah, they're 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 making high promises. Uh, the future of what MMOs are going to be, and well, you know, it's going to do for modern MMOs what Ultima Online did for previous MMOs. I mean, good luck. Why not? But the thing is, like, um, <laughs> but the thing is, like. I think his idea is he wants to create a MMO with more permanence, where like player mm-hmm. actions actually can shape the landscape the way it doesn't like most MMOs, which I think is actually kind of cool. The the players actually create history instead of just having like a thousand chosen ones who are meaningless, faceless suits who are running through the same epic dungeon and the story says like oh you killed the the the, the, the witch king was more of the shit mountains 
and you're number one and, and but there's like a million guys who did the same thing and it's like oh well, i have like a special hammer except everyone can have this with the right random numbers in there and so i'm actually all for some sort of permanence the problem is that that doesn't really work because humans are kind of shitty creatures so they're so they better come up with a good reason for why these people aren't just going to make cocks and and the cocks are going to form swastika. <laughs> the swastika is going to form a giant star of David. And we'll see what they do. Hopefully uh, they can keep the collective internet at bay. <laughs> but, all right, well, I hate to do it, but... You need to keep the, the collective internet at bay, but at the same time, you need to do it in a way that people are still going to play this thing. It's exactly, yes. Like, like, five dudes who are just like, Richard, I love you. <laughs> it's like, well, it's it's got some good funding, so hopefully it will be able to do something with that in the future. But in the meantime, I hate to say it, but we are going to have to wrap this up and allow for the next show, so... Uh, Fortingard, uh, I thank you very much for coming on and, and being able to talk with me about a series I honestly never would have been able to talk to without you. Um, is there anything you want to pimp or places we can find you on the interwebs? Uh, yes. If you like pro wrestling, I yes. am sometimes a, the third host of the Not Safe for Wrestling podcast, which runs on Geeky Antics. Aha, uh, okay. I think uh, we're going to record a episode, if not this week, the next one, when going into the next of the uh, pay-per-view, which is Battleground. Okay. Well, I will get the link for that and definitely put it up with this, so check the show notes, guys, if you want to go find that. And uh, Jam will be back next week, and I don't think we're going to do near next week. I think we're going to put that off one more week. So we'll have a topic coming up, but i got to talk to Jam about it. Honestly, I haven't talked to him in a week, and we usually set that stuff up pre-show. And he's out. So we will see you guys next week for it. Thank you very much for have uh, for coming on here. And thank you for the great topic. And, uh, and of course, remember, PS2 Top 10, send them in. Contact at GamingHistory101.com or head over to the contact. Or a lot of people are putting it in the show or the comments for the, for the show. Feel free to do it that way, too. Anyway, with that, this is Fred Rojas saying peace out.